just want to say um, on behalf of Leslie uh, today, thank you for being here. Um, we're going to celebrate today uh, the life of Mike and his, um, his influence on your lives today. And a couple things as I was preparing, I just want to share. Um, the Word says that when we gather together, where two or more believers are gathered together, the Lord is among us. And the Lord is here today. He's in this meeting. And He brings comfort and He brings hope. And there's another verse that says, when believers gather in unity... God commands a blessing, and that's a promise from Him. I don't know how that sorts itself out, but He commands a blessing. His word cannot be broken, and He's going to bless today. He's going to restore and bring comfort, and I'm very confident of that, and you can be too. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to have a worship song, and then we're going to get into uh, the service, all right? Uh, Lord... Father, we welcome your presence here today, Father. Father, I pray that as we celebrate the life of Mike, Lord, that you would be honored. Father, I pray that um, your children that are here today would feel your comfort. I pray, Lord God, that you would strengthen today. I pray that you would renew today, Lord. I pray that you would bring hope today, Father. And I pray, Father, that you would bring your peace in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you wouldn't mind standing, uh, we're going to worship if you can't stand. I got a little worried there because I, I have a terrible voice, and I was singing and the mic was on, so I hope I didn't. <laughs> I love to sing, but I just don't have a good voice. I don't think I'm, I'm ever going to have a good voice. Um, so Leslie um, asked me to officiate um, uh, for Mike, and I was so happy and privileged to do it. Thank you. And I thought, um, you know, you have, a, you have best friends, and you have friends, and you have people that you kind of know. And over the years, I would, if I'm honest, I'd say I kind of know Mike. Maybe a little more than kind of know. I did work projects for, here with him, and home group with him, and... Um, some other things along, right, right alongside of him. And so I just, I asked the Lord, what? Uh, bring to uh, remembrance. And it was very easy uh, for that to happen. When I think of Mike in the context of the effect that he had on the lives of people around him, his family, his church body here, his friends, and I'm sure his company, um, for attributes of his just came. And I'm just going to go through those, and then after that we'll get into the the speakers. The first one was devoted. Uh, Mike is a devoted guy. He is a devoted husband and father and friend, and I'm sure again an employee. And the definition of devoted is very loving or loyal, faithful, true, Steadfast, constant, committed, dedicated, loving, affectionate, and caring. And the other attribute that um, came to me was reliable. That guy, when Mike said he would, he would. 
you just, you didn't have to worry about anything. If he said he was going to be there or do this or help you that, he was there. And the, to define reliable for Mike, uh, able to be trusted, consistently good in quality, authentic, genuine. He was a genuine guy, sound and true. And the third one, I think, is the most woven into the fabric of who Mike was, and that is he was a servant. He was devoted. This is the um, definition, devoted uh, to helping other people, a supporter of others, and one that attends to the needs of others. And then the last one is, um, is delighted. And I remember working with him, and when I was doing whatever, he always had delight about him. It was like, this, this energy, this quick energy was in him, and you'd give him a task, and he'd, yeah, let's go do this, yeah, we'll get that then, and he'll see, he'd start talking, and it was just like this, just this way about him that was, it, it was wonderful. And um, the definition of delighted is feeling or showing great pleasure. <laughs> Pleased, happy, uh, glad. The Lord calls those gifts, um, those attributes, gifts. Um, and every one of you has gifts in you, good gifts in you that can be used to help, like Mike, help serve and encourage and strengthen other people. And I'm going to read out of 1 Peter 4 right here. As each has received a gift, and we've all received them, use it to serve one another as good stewards. Is that up there? Of God's very, very grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. That just means you're speaking life and you're, you're edifying and you're encouraging. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And I'm just going to read this. I, I wrote this out about Mike and I'm just going to read it. Over the years, it has been a very natural thing for Mike to walk in these giftings. He couldn't help but be them. They were woven into the fabric of how God created him and became a source of encouragement for his family, his friends, and his co-workers. And that's an awesome thing. You're all here today, and there's, this place is packed because he had an impact in your lives. He touched you. He did something for you. He meant something to you. And that was Mike. So with that, we're gonna, I'm going to move into the sharing. So I'm going to ask first, I'm going to ask Dan Freeman if he'd come up. <coughs> this is Dan Freeman, a friend. How you doing? Condolences to uh, Wesley and the family. Hold it closer. The hold the mic to your mouth. I met Mike through a home group, uh, which we're having at Mike and Leslie's house right now. But uh, five years ago, we were having it uh, at uh, Kim and Patrick's house. And for two years, we had it at our house. So over the years, it, it was just really neat to get 
to know who Mike was. Um, as I got to know Mike, I saw how helpful he was towards people, people he didn't even know except through Leslie or through a friend. Mike's motive was not for personal gain, but just for genuine love and concern for that person. Mike uh, was just uh, a people person. And if there was a problem, Mike was there to solve it. He was, uh, he was just different, you know, really, uh, really an exceptional man. I remember the time when Mike was helping me with my truck, with my truck problem I had. <clears throat> I had screwed something up on it. <laughs> and I said, that was stupid. And Mike said, wait, no, no, no. If you know Mike, it's okay, it's okay. We can fix it. Don't worry. It was like Mike had a way of whatever you had done, he wanted to just put it right. He gave, whoops, sorry. He, he had a way of just making you feel good about yourself, you know? Um, if you knew Mike, he had so many good characteristic qualities. He was humble, selfless, dedicated, compassionate, hopeful, faithful, and intelligent. He had a positive way of, of looking at the glass half full. Mike's dedication to his wife, Leslie, and, and his family was evident any time at our home group when we, were talk, when we talked about his family. You could just see Mike's face light up and just, you know, talk about all the kids and grandkids. I really only knew Mike for about five years, but it was a privilege to call him my friend. We're gonna miss you, Mike. Rest in peace, my friend. Thanks, Danny. All right, Chris uh, Collier. This is Mike's sister. I will try to get through this. This is not my this is not my cup of tea at all. So forgive me if I read, um, but I, there's a lot I want to say, and I'm the mushy one. So you'll have to count on the humor from the next person that comes after me, because, yeah. So how appropriate that we're gathered here today on Valentine on Valentine's Day, a day of love, and a day of special significance to Mike and Leslie, to honor and celebrate the incredible and beautiful man that Mike was though he probably wouldn't want all this fuss over him. Somehow I know he's smiling that this is the day that Leslie chose to do it. It feels perfect. Okay. Losing loved ones is not easy. We all know that. Losing two family members barely a year apart is very hard. But if I've learned anything through this year of grieving, it's that if you open your heart to the pain of loss and trust God along the way, he will speak to you. And the messages you'll receive and the journey you take will change you for the better. 
My journey began nine days after losing my father at the same time last year, when I suddenly felt a calling, a pull, to begin writing down my feelings. Feelings that would ultimately turn into poetry. For the record, I never really cared a great deal for poetry. I could appreciate reading a lovely poem, but certainly not writing one. Now here I am, some 55 poems later, and writing has become my lifeline to peace, my therapy, and my connection to my strengthening spirit. Because I opened my heart to that pain of grief and to God's messages, I have an outlet for my feelings, and I am surviving what at one time felt impossible to survive, the loss of my father and the knowledge that I would lose my brother within the same year. So today, even though I know poetry wasn't Mike's cup of tea, and he's probably cringing and squirming right now at the thought, I know he'll forgive me for sharing two poems with you. Poems that I hope will bring a measure of comfort and enlightenment as we struggle. Did I just lose it? No. As we struggle to come to terms with the loss of one of the kindest and most decent men any of us has ever known. It has been hard, really hard, to understand why this generous soul that we all love so dearly had to be the one to go through this pain and leave us. My Conversation with God is a poem I wrote shortly before Mike's passing when I was struggling with the terrible suffering he was experiencing as cancer was taking its toll and I was questioning God as a way of reassuring myself. So bear with me while I try to read this one. I asked God to let me be the one to go instead. But he gently whispered it couldn't be so. Each person has their own unique journey, he said, with blessing and sorrow from which to grow. I asked God to spare you such suffering, for I was certain it was more than any of us could bear. He reassured me that he is with you and that your spirit is ripening with prayer. I asked God if he knew about your kindness and all the hundreds of people whose lives you've touched. He assured me that he's been watching and knows your generous spirit has given so much. I asked God if he knew about your heartache and the pain of one's joy being slowly suppressed. We talked about your perfect round peg fitting into the world's square hole, and then he reminded me that your angst could now rest. I asked God if he knew about your passion and how injustice has always rocked your world. I told him of your need for pacing and for ranting and raving as a way to get unfurled. I asked God if he knew about your selflessness, your goodness, and your principled hard work. To provide for your family and others in need, he said, was both your gift as well as your hurt. I asked God if he knew about your integrity, your honesty, and your giant gentle heart. He reminded me he saw everything you ever did and called you his complicated but true work of art. I asked God if he knew the innermost whisperings of your heart, and he promised me that he was already there, nudging you, comforting you, and guiding you home to your new haven, brimming with love, not despair. I ask God for peace for my heavy heart that is breaking as it never has before. I'm caring and wrapping you in my love, he said, providing you solace and grace evermore. And that is our Mikey. Okay. The second and final poem is called I Miss You. and was written two weeks after my father passed away when I could feel God speaking to me and could feel my dad's presence reassuring me that it was all as it should be and that it was all of perfect design. It was a huge moment of spiritual awakening for me. I already feel this from Mike now, his comforting presence reassuring me in the only way that, in the way that only Mike can, that he's still here and it's going to be okay. Okay, this one's called I Miss You. I miss you, but then I see you in the sunshine, in the sparkle of the sun as it reflects off the icy cold water, in the ice crystals that form at the creek's edge as the water begins to freeze, in the eyes and smiles of the children that surround me, in the naked branches of the winter trees as they beckon towards the heavens, 
in the pale gray-blue winter skies that wait patiently for spring's arrival. I look, and there is light. I see you, and suddenly my world is bright with new vision. I miss you, but then I feel you around me in the crispness of the cold winter air, in your pictures, in your belongings, in your child and your wife, in the fullness of the moments where your memory lingers, in the beating of my heart, even as it beats a song of mourning, in the comfort that washes over me and forces the darkness away. I reach, and there is your touch. I feel you, and suddenly my world is filled with new awareness. I miss you, then I hear you, in the trickle of the water as it travels over the creek bed rocks, in the breeze as it rustles through the bushes and the trees, in the busy moments where I forget to be present, in the stillness of the night, in the quiet spaces in my mind, and in the silence where you whisper to me. I breathe you in and I listen. I hear you, and suddenly my world is alive with beauty heretofore unknown. I miss you, but I know you are here. You are beside me. You are around me. You are with me. You are in me. You are happy. You are soaring. You are reborn. You are new. I see you. I feel you. I hear you. I soak you in. Because of you, I am forever changed. And I smile. Okay, Jason. Jason Hans, son-in-law. All right, well, I assure you if talking isn't Chris's thing, it's certainly not mine, so. Uh, but I will do my best also. Um, first, I, I just want to thank everyone so much. We've, you know, been trying to help out from a couple thousand miles away, and it's been a comfort and a blessing the way you all have, uh, have stepped in when we couldn't. Um, we really appreciate that. Um, I also had the privilege of getting to know Mike in a different way than anyone else here as, as a father-in-law. Um, so I thought I'd tell a little bit of that story. Um, I've gotten to be part of this family for about 16 years now. And I also had the, the strange um, experience of getting to know a lot of Mike's family before I actually got to know Mike. And so I came with certain expectations. Um, and <laughs> If you haven't met Mike's family or spent much time with them, um, as Jenny, my wife, was trying to help me uh, pull all this together, um, she said, just ask if they've ever seen the movie My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Because that's a pretty good description of what it's like to meet the Wendt family um, all together. So just a little bit of background. Jenny and I met in college. Jenny went to college at Miami University in Ohio, uh, just like I did. Um, which happened to be just about an hour away from where Mike grew up and from where a lot of his family still lives. And Chris, who was just up here, lived in the same town, so I've known her as long as I've known, uh, almost as long as I've known Jenny. Um, So I was coming out here uh, about a year after we started dating to meet the family and to meet what I knew were my future in-laws, although I don't know that anyone else knew that at that point. Um, And so I had these expectations because I had met so much of his family already. And what was so neat to me was that um, I got to meet the the Wendt who was, I think, most like me. A little more introverted, a little more quiet, but just fiercely, fiercely determined and convicted. And with uh, just strong held beliefs uh, that didn't come out until, uh, until you reached that point. Um, so I, that has been my experience with getting to know him. And, and I, we've also had the privilege of getting to know Mike as a grandfather. And the way he <laughs> has loved our kids 
has been amazing. Um, the last few years we've been able, as we all kind of knew this day was coming, to, to spend a little more time. And I think the, the thing I'd, I'll talk about last is just uh, some of the memories from that, which are we, we were able to make a trip out here last spring. And, you know, Mike was actually feeling a lot better than he had you know, stop treatment, and, and he was actually feeling good, and we were able to do a lot of things, and if you knew Mike, you knew how much he loved nature, he loved this place, being here, being out of the Midwest, and into someplace beautiful like this, and so we were able to go hiking, go down to the bottom of the canyon, he was teaching the kids how to skip stones in the river, and the whole time he had been telling us, we can drive up the other side of this mountain, and, and we can look back to where we hiked from, and I'm going to show the kids where we, where we hiked from, and we got over there, and there was a sign on the road that said, road, you know, road was closed. No, you weren't allowed through here. And, and he, that indignation and fierce uh, um, belief system that we would be, should be able to get up there um, came out. And, and probably five, six, seven times, we can, we can move that. We can go up there. I know we can go up there. At what some point, we just had to say, Mike, we, we went on a two-mile hike. We drove down here. We've been playing in the river, and it's about 1.30, and no one's had lunch. The kids are hungry. We, we, we kind of just want to go home. We, so um, and I thought that was all, that, that those are the memories that I will hold of Mike, of, of him out uh, showing uh, my kids, showing us kind of the nature that he loved, explaining to us all uh, the things that were around us, the different, you know, the trees and, and just everything that, that he loved here. And so that, that's one of the, the memories that I'm going to hold on to. Steve went. I, too, am going to have to read because I don't do well talking in front of people, and there's a lot of you. <laughs> so you shouldn't have looked up. Um, I'm going to share some of my memories first, and then I'm going to share um, part of a letter my mother wrote for his 57th birthday last month. Okay, as Mike's older brother, many of my earliest memories are of him. Um, one memory was him looking out the picture window in Westerville and seeing a Great Dane running through the front yard and yelling, It's a pony! It's a pony! <laughs> we tried to assure him that it was a dog, but he was not convinced. I remember our first morning in Cincinnati where we had moved from a very small town. We walked down to the corner of the busy street we lived on and found a fire alarm box. Mike immediately wanted to pull the lever. I said, I really did not know what it did, but some part of me knew to stop him. <laughs> He was, he was far more athletic than I ever was. I remember him climbing trees all the way to the top while I barely made it to the bottom branch. I remember him climbing up on the garage roof and my not being able to do so, so he and a friend built stairs for me out of discarded cinder blocks so I could join them. <laughs> they did. I also remember him shimming up to the back porch roof, climbing in the second-story window. Um, that ability came in handy when we locked ourselves out of the house. I remember, oh, this is, this is a good one. I remember his love of getta, which is, um, for those of you not from Cincinnati, it's a concoction of ground beef, ground pork, steel-cut oats, and spices, and it's only sold in Cincinnati. Um, he loved to fry this up in the morning with his sunny-side-up eggs. And for those of you brave enough and are coming to the house, we have a limited supply of getta we're going to fry up so that you can try it. <laughs> uh, I remember the morning that he left for the Army. The recruiter picked him up at the crack of dawn and announced that a small house down the street had blown itself to bits. Thankfully, it was an insurance office, and no one was in the house at the time. I guess the universe wanted to give him a proper send-off. Um, I remember seeing his grandchildren two years ago and asking Ella if she knew who I was. 
She shook her head, and I said, I am your grandfather's brother. It was a shock to hear those words come out of my mouth. <laughs> um, let me read you part of my mom's letter. Dear Michael, for your pending 57th birthday, I am writing a special letter. What a joy you brought to your father and me. What a special blessing. You were born on a cold, sunny winter day. You approached life in a joyful, happy-go-lucky manner. Your baptism was so typical of your personality from the get-go. You often communicated with joyful squeals of delight. Well, it was no different at your baptism service. I remember trying to suppress your squeals, also to contain your enthusiasm from the surrounding church members. Your fraternity experiences were only one example of your free-to-be-me approach to life. I have to explain that later. Um, your early pictures clearly show this. Your kindergarten and first grade pictures of you with the engineer hat in front of the trains are examples. You lost some of your sparkle with the structure of school. When you can't move, you talk. I'm sure you remember Miss Haig taping your mouth shut. We always, <laughs> we always understood why. Um, so many memories. You feeding Chris her first birthday cake. Pepe taking you all out to eat on Sunday when he lived next door. How proud he was. I'm surprised he didn't pop. My father taking you for a haircut and you crying. Some neighbor catching you peeing up against the phone pole. <laughs> homework right after school? No way. I need to run around first, then homework. You, plined, you playing the violin in a school production with a bandaged figure, finger due to a cut from a broken glass while dishwashing at Mr. Yao's restaurant. You working the Green Hills Pizza Place. We visited around Christmas time, the phone ringing off the hook, and you handling it all. I was a nervous wreck for you. You graduating from high school and deciding to go into the Army. My meeting with Leslie for the first time and being most impressed. Your decision to go to California. You're loading your truck up for California. Your trip across icy Texas to your destiny, Leslie and Jenny. Your arrival at your destination, Pollock Pines. The setting of your wedding date, July 26, 1986. My first plane flight, mine being my mother. Um, your beautiful wedding on the Lake Tahoe boat. The pictures of you and Jenny sitting on the bench. Leslie's special talk to Jenny, her crying during you presented to her. The cabin, the beautiful Pollock Pines, your new home, your destiny. Sightseeing in San Francisco on our family honeymoon. Our trip to the sequoia trees. I then knew for sure that this California was where you belonged. Jenny's joyful graduation from high school. Jenny's brave decision to come to Miami for college. The development of Jenny and Jason's relationship. Her graduation from college. Their beautiful wedding with you giving her away. The dinner in Centerville when Jenny and Jason announced the pending arrival of Colin. His birth and those of Ella and Addie. Um, the joy and fun you have experienced with your grandchildren. Your reading at your father's funeral looking at family pictures, and saying goodbye as you loped out the door to return to California. Your recent Thanksgiving with Steve, Craig, Chris, Denny, and Aubrey. Your recent honoring at the Christmas party. The recent caroling of your neighbors and church members. And your special Christmas with your growing up grandkids, their mother and father. Michael, so many beautiful memories, every one of them. All my love. All my love goes with you as you begin the next phase of your life, whenever wherever, from your ever-loving mother. Um, just to wrap it up, my, um, my brother was a very gentle, loving man, and I miss him and will miss him very much. And one thing I needed to do at the end here, and my mother wanted me to mention, 
that one of his favorite things to eat was peanut butter and, je peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. So when you have a moment, please eat a PJ sandwich with plum jelly, has to be plum, and think about Michael. Um, and last is Kimindler, a friend. Hi, I'm Kim, and I met Mike almost 18 years ago, Leslie 18 years ago, and our first meeting with Mike was when he picked us up at the airport from a mission trip, and I knew him then as my Mikey, because that's all Leslie talked about was my Mikey and my Jenny. So when I knew him and first met my Mikey, I saw him as a man at the bottom of an escalator having been without his bride for 17 days with these large, large glasses and a ponytail and an enthusiasm in his smile that came from, just generated from the inside out and how excited he was to see her. As most of you know, Mike was a man of very few words until he got to know you. Or he was stuck in a car with you for six hours on a road trip. <laughs> Patrick and I just looked at each other like, where did this come from? <laughs> Mike was inquisitive and analytical, and he was always looking deeper into an issue than what looked like on the outside. He would mull over problems and constantly think about how to fix them. He wouldn't let things go until the problem got solved, especially with people. He always wanted to find a way to help. And what may have seemed as inaction to some was an indication of how deeply that he was working through something to be able to help somebody in the best possible way. And sometimes we would be having dinner or someplace, and just randomly, out of left field, Mike would pop up with an answer for this problem that we were talking about two weeks ago. Like, where did that come from? But because he was inquisitive, Leslie really had a hard time taking him to places, on an airplane, or to a doctor's office. Michael would fiddle with things, and he would grab hold of the doctor's instrument, he'd go through the drawers, he'd want to see how things worked. Fortunately, you guys got him that iPad or whatever it was, so that was something he could do on a plane so she could finally travel with him. Mike was passionate about you, Leslie. He was passionate about Jenny and Jason. And he was passionate about his grandkids. We would be at the house, and Mike would just burst out laughing, thinking of something funny that they did, and he would share it over and over and over again. But it was great because it just warmed our hearts and helped us see what it was going to be like to be grandparents. And I believe that we are better grandparents because of you guys and his relationship with you. Mike loved his friends and he loved his family. He also was quirky in some ways. And we have these little things that Patrick and I always called Mikeisms. There were these little words, and Patrick and I would use them back and forth all the time at our home. Things like, This is good. Wow. I mean, 
Wow. <laughs> Understood. Touche. I'm happy for you. And one of our favorites was Bazinga. <laughs> and there were a couple others that I can't share here, but totally appropriate. <laughs> totally appropriate for the timing and the situation. Mike was a man of integrity, and he was consistent. He came to our home group for five years, and I am so thankful for the time that God gave us together. When I would say, I love you, this past year, he would always say to me, I know. And that blessed my heart to know that he knew how much he was loved by us. Mike was kind, tenderhearted, passionate. He struggled with injustices. He was always willing to help. He didn't judge. He was dependable, generous, servant-hearted, humble, selfless, and again, consistent. And those are the same qualities he had in Leslie. The best years of their marriage were when he was unemployed, and they were both able to serve people together. He set a wonderful example as a husband, qualities that Jenny should look for in a husband, and she did. She got him. He loved you, Jason. He was a wonderful example as a friend. He was loyal to the end. As a brother, deep, lasting bond of love that's eternal. As a friend and neighbor, always willing to help. I believe the plaque from All Systems Electric, the last place he worked at, says it all. In recognition of exemplary dedication, years of service, outstanding achievement, and commitment of adding value to others. He left a wonderful example for us to follow. And I thank you, God, for Mikey Wind. Can we roll that video?
I just want to um, share something that uh, I experienced with Leslie. She doesn't know this um, exactly. I think it's safe to say that the family, and especially you, Leslie, have been through a pretty, a pretty big storm this past year, uh, one of those unexpected storms that probably hits all of our lives at, at one point. Um, I'm sure it was very difficult emotionally for Leslie, physically and spiritually, And last week I was at her house, and I heard her say this. I've had peace this year. How does that happen? How does a person say that, going through what Leslie's going through? How do you have peace when your world is being rocked? Well, the answer... Where does the peace come from? It's another good question. And the answer is, Leslie has the gospel in her. The gospel is the good news of Christ. And it's in her heart. And that's where the, that's where the peace comes from. When she was, it was 19, where this, we graduated this time here, 1971, right? Eighth grade. Uh, she gave her heart to Christ. And she meant it. <laughs> And with that, when we give our heart to Christ, it's just, sometimes it gets, I think people make it more complicated, but we're going this way in life, and there's something inside, and this, we might be making bad decisions, making mistakes, uh, saying bad things, the Bible calls that sin, and we just turn around, and we say, I don't want to go that way, Lord, I want to follow you, but I don't understand everything. And she did that. And by faith, she believed that Christ died for her sins. And by faith, she chose to follow Christ. And she's a Christian, a Christ follower, because of that. So this is a wonderful illustration that um, it's not mine, but if you're, if you're in the ocean and you're in a storm and your boat goes down and you're swimming, you're treading, you're in, you're in it, right? And all of a sudden... The way, you know, the swells come, and you're, ah! And all of a sudden you see a flashing light, and that's a buoy, and you know it's a buoy. And you do everything you can, and you get there, and when you grab that thing, you have peace. And why? Because that buoy is anchored. It's not going anywhere. And Christ is her anchor. He never forsakes. He never leaves. He's always there amidst amidst the storms we have in life. And she can stand. She can stand. There's so many promises in the Bible. And she can stand on this word. And she can go to this word. And she can be fed. And she can be comforted. And I just, I love that. It is very encouraging to me, Leslie and I'm going to read a couple of um, verses about peace. And I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to paraphrase them. So the first one is Philippians 4, verse 7. And the peace of God, 
which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now I'm going to paraphrase it. Leslie, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And paraphrasing, come to me, Leslie, if you are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. <clears throat> Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy, Leslie, and my burden is light. Colossians 3, verse 15, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Paraphrasing, Leslie, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. <clears throat> I'm going to have the worship team uh, start making their way up, if you would. This peace that um, Leslie has is available for everybody. Um, I think if I were to guess, there's probably a few storms out here. Um, some battles that you're fighting. and <clears throat> It's a free gift. The gift of peace and the gift of hope. And it's through Jesus. And if you don't know him... You can know him today. You can say, Lord, I don't understand everything, but some of these things this guy up here is talking about, I like them. I'd like to believe in them. Can you help me? The thing with Jesus, he just really wants to be a friend, and he's the most awesome friend. <clears throat> he is absolutely faithful. He is 100% loving, and his mercy is new every day. And you can have that today. And it's very simple. You can just say, I was going this way, Lord, and I want to stop doing that. And I don't understand everything, but I need peace, which means I need you. And I trust that you died for me. And I want to do my best to follow you. If you just do that with your heart today, you're saved. And that's awesome. It's an awesome thing. does not mean that life is easy. But it means that he's going to be there with you through it all. And he'll never forsake you. So I'm going to read Psalm 23. This is um, out, of, out of the Bible. It's called Peace. Peace in the Midst. It's a pretty... Um, pretty well read psalm <clears throat> the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside still waters he restores my soul 
He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That's a wonderful promise. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's an amen. We're going to worship at the close right now. And this, um, I'm just going to pray. Lord, I pray that uh, as we worship you now, I pray that this song uh, would minister, Lord. I pray that it would bring hope. I pray that it would restore, Father. We say we love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. We're done today. Uh, God bless you.